Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of You Wear It Well. And on today's show, I have a very special guest, as always. But this special guest, well, she's a vocalist. But I, I won't spoil any more of the details. I'll let her go ahead and share that with you. And also the wearable that she's been working on. So, Teresa, the stage is yours. Okay. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me on this podcast. So I am a trained singer, classical singer, and have had a performing career, but also have been teaching classical singing for about 40 years now. And I am a senior lecturer at Northwestern University, where I teach voice and opera and uh, vocal pedagogy. Yes, my background is obviously in the arts. You know, as a teacher, I see wonderful students every week who are incredibly ambitious and have a lot on their plate. And oh gosh, you know, over 10, probably 10, 12 years ago, I started to realize that these overly ambitious students would often have so many things that sometimes they'd come into their lessons and I'd notice fatigue. I notice a little bit of voice quality change, like a little bit of breathiness or or even huskiness occasionally. And I would say, you know, what's going on? We can't really have the most productive lesson if you are tired. So I started to probe and, you know, you find out, well, I had a sorority rush or I had meetings and lots of performances going on and or I got a cold. And then I continued to sing rehearsals uh, for days and days. So 
I started to think about this and, and just thought this is really part of life. I, as a singer, I certainly experienced some fatigue as anyone would in a professional capacity, you know, whether you're a sports person and you, you injure your ankle because you're running on it all the time. And so I thought, well, I need to empower these folks with some tool so that they're not just obliviously doing their thing and taking their voice for granted. I started making a paper version of this. I called it the vocal points tracker initially. And I had them, I assigned certain amounts of points for different activities just as a, as a general way to guide them, you know, kind of like a diet in a sense that here's your number of calories for the day estimated, and you can change that. So it started that way. And that seemed to be pretty successful on a limited basis, but, you know, dealing with paper and pen. So I uh, was presenting on this at a conference of singing teachers. And one of my wonderful colleagues came up and said, well, you're going to make an app for that, aren't you? So I kind of went, well, okay, sure. So that's how the first part of this started. And what what resulted, I got us a small amount of money through my university, and I was able to create a web app called Singer Savvy App. It's still available. It's free. But essentially, it's really like a, a budgeter and a habit tracker that requires input from the user on, number one, how their voice is feeling at the beginning of the day. And I even include a couple of little tiny vocalises that they can do to, to test it so they can tell how their onset of their sound is. Is it clear? Is it clean? Is it delayed? So once I put in how they're feeling, then they would enter through the day their activities. And if they were feeling a certain level, say they're feeling good, they would be given, I can't remember exactly what points, but 80 points as opposed to 100 if you're feeling terrific. And so that just encouraged them to kind of stay in certain bounds according to illness or sleep or just simply lots of activities going on. So that's been really helpful and, and actually it's still being used uh, throughout the world. There are a lot of users that access that. But I there are certain barriers, I think, when you get used to using something, that's one thing. But for new people, they want as few barriers to using technology as possible. And I, and I knew that. I had a limited budget, very limited budget. So I thought it's time to go to another level here. And I really wanted to give a much better user experience. And frankly, I wanted to get more accurate measures on some of the estimated points that I had assigned to things. I really based the initial app on my years of experience and talking with students and getting a sense of what activities were more fatiguing, etc. So I, again, looking for funding. And initially, though, I happened to come across an article written in our magazine about John Rogers, who is professor of engineering, biomedical engineering. A colleague of mine at NYU, Aaron Johnson, and I have always been interested in collaborating in some way. And he's a speech language pathologist and a researcher at, at Langone Medical Center. So anyway, we reached out. We thought, okay, John Rogers... I read about this incredible flexible wearable that he was at the time using for stroke patients' recovery because it could perceive whether the voice was being used and it could perceive speaking and swallowing. 
And then there was another use for when COVID came around, they used the sensor, different algorithms to pick up coughing, that kind of thing. So I thought, well, can we use this to get some information on speaking and singing? And that's where that collaboration began with John Rogers and his wonderful team back in, I think I reached out in the summer of 2020. And that's where this started. So once we connected, he said, sure, be happy to do that. I really, the initial intention was simply to bolster and strengthen my statistics and my numbers for the Singer Savvy app. We went along, sought some funding for this. It became clear that the people who are funding this were very interested in maintaining the sensor as part of a system that we could use, an interactive system with the app, actually quantifying vocal load in real time. And that prompted us to begin our work in creating algorithms, which is not my my bag. <laughs> it's not my world. But thank goodness for the engineers and the software people on, on uh, the Rogers team. So that's basically we had to start someplace. And we said, well, we need to start by categorizing what, what sounds are singing sounds, what sounds are speaking sounds. And we had a number of people wearing the sensors and taking information on, well, collecting information. Were you speaking? Were you singing? We did some just in my own space at my studio where I just have them speak and sing also. And eventually we had enough to have machine learning categorize things, about 94, 95% accuracy. So that was exciting. There's some overlap. For example, if I sustain my sounds, that might get picked up as a singing tone perhaps. But in the end, it's those minor things in a way don't really matter greatly because essentially the way that the sound is being produced is going to be the important part of quantifying the vocal load. Once we started getting, I started doing more studies, getting used tapping my wonderful university pool of singers. I also did use some people in the general community. I put out a call for the machine learning part of singing and speaking. So we had a bunch of different samples, older middle, younger, all over 18. At that point, then we started to correlate how well the vocal load algorithms matched with self-reports throughout the day. So my wonderful assistant would send multiple surveys asking, you know, what's your level of vocal fatigue now? And they had to, so we were able to track things and things line up really quite well. When the loads are up higher, you can see that the reports are higher. So these are interesting things and affirming that this is really going to be helpful, not only for the individual, but beyond that in a clinical setting also, that as a diagnostic and for speech language pathologists who are working with clients who have either recovered from surgery or are trying to mitigate their swellings by backing off on their voice use. The problem is that it isn't necessarily trying to be deceptive, but a lot of clients misreport what they're doing. Um, they don't remember, oh yeah, I, I didn't use my voice very much on Tuesday. You know, they, co they go into the clinic after a couple of weeks or uh, whatever the time is. And 
so this gives a way for the clinician, the speech language pathologist to actually have real data and see how the usage is lined up on each day that they want to look at. We found that there are lots of applications for this. But my, you know, my initial intention was really for singers to be able to have control over mindfulness and how they're using their voices and giving them feedback on that in real time. Well, that's fascinating. I do want to go back just very briefly back to when you first started talking about your background. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners, like myself, uh, don't really know the, the nomenclature for uh, singing. So what is vocal pedagogy? Explain that for us. So, well, vocal pedagogy I, it can mean a number of things. The way that universities embrace that term is teaching the fundamentals of vocal production, vocal anatomy, also as it would imply, teaching how to teach. But, you know, at, at different courses can reflect different aspects of, of that term. But essentially understanding how the vocal mechanism works and anatomy and physiology of the vocal mechanism and production. Okay, very good. Just want to get some clarity on that because I was thinking, what is that? <laughs> what I, want, I want to ask you a, a question here, and I, I, it's very common that Individuals have ideas, but then they say, where do I go with this? And it was very interesting that you talked about uh, Dr. Rogers and, and his work, and it, it hit a, a note with you, pardon the pun, and that was something that you thought, yeah, I need to work with an engineer. And before you know it, well, that speech pathologist that I know in New York. So how difficult was that for you to start reaching out to people that you knew nothing about what they did. All you knew is that I think they can help me. Was that a difficult transition to start reaching out to other professionals and trying to figure out how are we going to communicate and how can we get all this together? Because we do speak different languages, but how can we come together on something such as a wearable like you have? Yeah, yes. As teaching at a university, I'm used to interacting with colleagues and communicating about certain things. And curiosity and solving puzzles is something that I've always had. I love figuring stuff out. So I didn't find it particularly difficult. I guess I was nervous about getting a hard no from this incredibly busy person, John Rogers and his team, because they're so involved in so many, so many other aspects of research and teaching as well. He's also a teaching professor. But I was just so encouraged by, yes, sure, you know, be happy to to collaborate on this. And so that made it easy. I think what was tricky in the beginning was we started meeting every week, but we had a large team. We had postdocs sitting in and listening, and then some undergrads even at, at different times. So just keeping everybody in the loop and, and managing who does what, whose input is going to be really helpful here. That was a little bit like herding turtles for me in, in the beginning, not used to managing big teams of folks. But beyond that, I would say the collaboration, it's, it's exciting. I mean, we get together now and the group has shrunk to sort of the core folks working on this. And we, we kind of, through our discussions, are brainstorming and find, you know, thinking about different ways to enhance the app that's interacting and, and giving the feedback as well as certain measures. You know, I came across paper that uses slightly different metrics for measuring breathiness and disorderedness in voices. 
So we're talking about incorporating a, a different algorithm now. We're going to be testing that out to see how that compares with what, with what we were doing using before. So that's, you know, it's, it's right now it's very dynamic and we're moving ahead. I feel really quite, quite well, quite, quite quickly as research goes. So I'm, you know, I'm very encouraged by what we're able to do. That's good. I like your insights because I know other people I've had on the podcast have many a time said it was intimidating. You know, I had to reach out to somebody in a, in a profession I know nothing about, but I think they might be able to help me. And most of the time you hear those same encouraging words that Dr. Rogers told you. Yeah, I'd be glad to help out on this. And it's just such a relief. You know, oh, good. I, I, OK, now I've got one other piece to the puzzle. And then now that person, in your case, Dr. Rogers could say, hey, I think we need this person. I know that person in that department and we can get a couple of grad students. And why not grad grad students? Right. That's what they're there for, you know, to learn. But also you can end up using them. So which leads me to my next question with regards to the students. Were the students receptive, like wildly receptive to the fact that, oh, so you're going to tape this on around my throat and you're going to get data? OK, I'm sign me up. Or was there some reticence on their part? Well, you know, with the IRB, it's, of course, completely voluntary. So nobody was pressured into doing this. They were very excited. Just, yes, people about, you know, can I do it? I'd like to do it. So no resistance there. I think the difficult part is in sometimes in the, in the early parts of our research it was just compliance with all of the tasks that we needed them to do filling out the surveys faithfully, making sure that they did their vocal. We have these little swelling tests we do so that when we actually have them record those on audio, just for us to hear the, the onsets of the voice as another validation for what was going on. So that was tricky. You know, some were more mm, disciplined at, at compliance than others. Then I started to realize like, okay, we need to incentivize this a little bit. We're going to thank you with a little bit of uh, money here. And so, you know, that's what the grants certainly support the ability to pay your subjects so that they, they will stay on task. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties, pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast. Please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, 
Thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.